0: Please could you introduce yourself and tell us about the work that you're presenting here at the AAN Annual Meeting. Um, Thank you Lauren. Um, Michael Pender, Professor of Neurology at the University of Queensland and um, Neurologist at the Royal Brisbane and Women's Hospital in Brisbane, Queensland, Australia. Yes, the work we're presenting here is on a novel um, new treatment um, directed specifically at what I believe is the cause of multiple sclerosis namely um, uncontrolled Epstein-Barr virus infection. Now the rationale for this study is that for the last 30 years there's been gradually increasing evidence for a role of EBV in the pathogenesis of multiple sclerosis. In 2003 on the basis of our earlier work and, and on um, my thinking about this matter for a long time, I published a new theory on how EBV uh, might cause multiple sclerosis. And the theory, well, I should just give a little bit of background about Epstein-Barr virus, which is EBV. It's a ubiquitous virus that is the only human virus that infects and activates and clonally expands and then resides latently in B, B lymphocytes and it actually infects 90% of the world's adult population. And in healthy people, the virus um, remains in the body for the rest of their lives. So, and it's kept under control, partly by antibodies directed against EBV, but particularly by the CD8 cytotoxic killer T cells, which in healthy people keep the number of EBV-infected B cells under control. So my hypothesis published in Trends in Immunology in 2003 proposes that MS and all the other human chronic autoimmune diseases such as rheumatoid arthritis and type 1 diabetes are based on uncontrolled EBV infection with the result that EBV infects autoreactive B cells giving those B cells proliferative and survival signals Mm -hmm. and advantages. And then those autoreactive B cells lodge in the organ against which they are making antibodies. So in the case of well, it's focused on multiple sclerosis, my idea is that EBV gets into um, B cells that uh, can make any antibodies directed against the brain. Those B cells will then lodge in the brain differentiate into plasma cells and are responsible for the oligoclonal bands in MS, which are multiple monoclonal B-cell expansions. Then those B-cells, in which those EBV-infected, autoreactive B-cells in the brain, which shouldn't be there, provide survival signals um, to autoreactive T-cells, which we all have. We all have T-cells cap- potentially capable of attacking our brain. And uh, we've shown normally in in, in laboratory animals, uh, when those autoreactive T-cells enter the brain, they rapidly commit cell suicide or apoptosis within 36 hours. But if there are, b- and I believe that's happening in healthy people at, at all the time, we're getting autoreactive T-cells activated in the periphery by various infections. They traffic into the brain and normally they would die by um, cell death, programmed cell death, apoptosis. But if you've got EBV-infected B cells in the brain that shouldn't be there, they can provide, act as professional antigen-presenting cells, provide survival signals to those T cells. So instead of dying, they now survive, they start orchestrating an immune attack on the brain. But in addition, they give additional signals to those B cells, which then proliferate and start producing autoantibodies which can damage the brain. I think EBV causes multiple sclerosis. But then the second question is why? of the adult world population are infected with EBV. Why don't we all have multiple sclerosis? Immune system, particularly cytotoxic CD8 T cells, play a major role in healthy people in controlling EBV infection. So the second part of my theory proposes that uh, a failure of normal CD8 T cell control of EBV infection is genetically determined and underlies the susceptibility to all chronic autoimmune diseases, so that a person with such a susceptibility, when they get infected with EBV, they end up having more EBV-infected B cells than they would normally. And in healthy people, at least 20% of naive B cells are autoreactive, so there's no small chance that they are going to be some autoreactive B cells. And so that's the basic um, premise behind the theory. And then the HLA type. like. Um, which known to uh, predispose to MS determines that the person gets MS rather than type 1 diabetes or rheumatoid arthritis and Mm. so on. This theory published in 2003 made some predictions which have subsequently been verified. Firstly that there would be EBV infected B cells in the brain in MS and that has been shown. Um, secondly, that treatments that deplete B-cells, such as rituximab, um, are beneficial in MS. That, the theory predicted that in 2003, and that's been shown and that people with MS would have a decreased CD8 T cell control of EBV, which we ourselves have shown in studies over the last 12 years. Mm -hmm. Now, an important part of the the theory was also the prediction that not only would rituximab uh, be beneficial in treating multiple sclerosis, but that that treatment specifically targeting Epstein-Barr virus should be effective. And this is called adoptive immunotherapy, which, or um, EBV-specific T-cell therapy, which is what we're doing in the current trial. Now, the background for that is that EBV can be associated with certain malignancies. For example, in Southeast Asia, um, nasopharyngeal carcinoma. And my colleague, Professor Rajiv Khanna at the Queensland Institute of Medical Research Berghofer Institute, um, has developed an approach whereby he collects blood from people with um, untreatable metastatic nasopharyngeal, EBV-associated nasopharyngeal carcinoma. He collects just peripheral blood, not stem cells, just ordinary circulating T-cells, isolates them, then exposes them to peptides of CD8 um, class 1 HLA-restricted uh, T cell epitopes of EBV and with interleukin 2, which then inc- boosts the number of these killer CD8 T cells capable of controlling EBV infection. So there's a greater number, of, the patient has a greater number of these cells and they're more potent killers. Mm and then the cells are just injected back into the vein. And that treatment's been used and early studies indicate that it, it may substantially increase the survival time in people with that malignancy. So my theory proje- um, proposed in 2003 that such an approach should be, could, be, uh, w- could be effective in multiple sclerosis. And in four years ago, on the basis of the increasing evidence the, um, supporting the theory, the presence of EBV-infected B cells in the brain in MS, the decreased CD8 T cell control of EBV in MS, we we treated the first patient in the world um, with with MS or any chronic autoimmune disease with EBV-specific T cell therapy. Mm. And this was a patient of mine who had been a patient of mine for 20 years. He was in. Uh, 42, he had secondary progressive MS, EDSS 8.0. His disease had been getting progressively worse. He was noticing deterioration every six months for a number of years. We had to, uh, my my research nurse and I uh, visited his house to ask if he'd be willing to be the first patient to get this treatment. And the rationale is that by collecting the blood, growing up his CD8 T-cells, we'd increase the number of his cells capable of um, killing EBV-infected B cells that, that go into the brain, kill those cells, and then switch off the autoimmune attack in MS. But the uh, main concern I had about this therapy, and I still have, is that we, we are giving T-cells. but It's just the patient's own T-cells, but they're now more potent, more in greater number. And they're going into the brain, so potentially it could increase inflammation in the brain mm-hmm. and actually make MS worse. And that's always been my main concern about this therapy. Mm-hmm. And this is why we've had a number of inbuilt precautions. So in EB, when you're treating people with EBV-related nasopharyngeal carcinoma, the patients are normally given back 20 million T-cells. This is just in a saline solution over 10 minutes mm. in an intravenous line in the arm. And then that's repeated on four occasions, two weeks apart. But to minimize the risk of increasing inflammation in the brain MS, we, we, we start with a dose of one quarter of that dose, 5 million T-cells and we monitor the patients for 24 hours in hospital and then if that's safe two weeks later we give them 10 million, if that's safe two weeks later 15 and then 20 million. Mm -hmm. So thankfully that treatment in the first patient in the world to be treated with this four years ago there were no significant adverse effects and within 10 days the patient noted Um, a substantial improvement in fatigue, which as you know is the most disabling symptom of MS and may herald the onset of MS by a number of years and is also intractable, even with most current therapies, do not really significantly help fatigue. But he noticed an improve in fatigue, improving cognitive function, um, major increase in his work productivity, reduction in painful lower limb spasms, neurological examination at week 20 after the T-cell infusion showed objective increase in power in the lower limbs. In addition, there was um, a reduction or improvement in the use of his hands. Um, so there were significant clinical improvements um, and these have now been sustained for four years following the T-cell therapy. Uh, except for the week, uh, the the uh, increase in power we observed um, was only sustained for about 12 months but mm-hmm. but all of the other improvements have been now sustained for four years um, and with no, no evidence of progression in those four years. But excitingly uh, we found that, as you know, one of the typical features of multiple sclerosis as a diagnostic feature is the presence of or increased immunoglobulins, IgG, in the CSF and with oligoclonal bands and my theory is that these are multiple monoclonal B-cell expansions driven, um, given that EBV induces clonal expansion, that it's EBV doing this. And uh, the very exciting thing was that following the treatment there was a major decline in intrathecal immunoglobulin production, normalisation of the CSF IgG index, which has now been maintained for three and a half years following the T-cell therapy. Uh, This patient happened to have more gadolinium-enhancing lesions in the brain um, than most patients with secondary progressive MS, even though he'd been progressive for at least the previous eight years. Um, And uh, following the treatment, there was a major reduction in gadolinium-enhancing lesions. So no evidence that the T-cell therapy was increased inflammation, and if anything, maybe reducing the inflammation in the brain. On the basis of that, we then got approval to do a, a phase one clinical trial, which the result, the interim results of which I'm presenting at this conference, um, of this therapy in 10 patients with progressive MS. Five with primary, five with secondary progressive the results I'm presenting here at this conference are we've now treated six patients in this current trial and thankfully there haven't been any significant adverse effects. Four of the patients have secondary progressive and two primary progressive. In two patients we we found no evidence whatsoever of improvement. In one patient there was equivocal evidence of improvement in the sense that Uh, there was increased productivity, but in three patients there was definite symptomatic and objective neurological improvement. In one patient, uh, the first one, there was um, a reduction in fatigue on the fatigue severity scale, increased productivity and improvement in balance. And that patient had secondary progressive MS. In another patient, a patient with primary progressive MS, there was a reduction in fatigue Um, a documented objective improvement in visual acuity which an abnormality of which had been present for the preceding um, at least two years, improved colour vision on objective neurological examination, Uh, major reduction in nocturia with much better sleep, Um, reduction in lower limb um, clonus, um, and improve manual dexterity. And then the, the fifth patient who showed the most marked clinical improvement, a patient was secondary, and this was very striking. Um, this patient had secondary progressive MS. Uh, within 10 days of receiving the treatment, she noticed an improvement in fatigue. And in fact, we've documented on the fatigue severity scale, a validated scale of fatigue in MS, the maximum score being 63, the minimum score being, six, uh, being nine. This patient went from 60 down to nine yes. in, uh, over the, the treatment mm-hmm. with a major improvement in her daily activities and she noticed cognitive improvement in addition her walking distance prior to treatment and for at least the previous five years had been a maximum of 100 meters with bilateral assistance that is with a wheeled walker mm-hmm. and now she's able to walk 1.5 kilometers one, one, virtually a whole a mile now able to walk a mile with um, with a walker and is now, for the first time for many years, able to walk with just unilat- walk 100 metres with unilateral assistance. We noted uh, we've been, She's been a patient of mine for the last 16 years, and on multiple occasions during that time, she's had, on every occasion, she's had weakness in the lower limbs, and that has now returned to normal. Spasticity, which has been present for 16 years, is now virtually resolved. Pathologically brisk knee jerks present for 16 years have uh, become normal. Lower limb spasms present for 20 years have resolved. Objective improvement in sensory examination in the lower limbs, as well as improvement in um, reduction in nocturia and improvement in manual dexterity. The interesting thing about this is that this is an open-label study. Whether we saw clinical improvement or not, The major determinant of that was the degree of CD8 T cell reactivity in the T cells that the patients received. So they all received initially 5 million T cells and at the end of the study 20 million, but the proportion of CD8s in that T cell product that they received varied between 0.2% and 48%. And two of the three patients who had less than 1% of those cells reactive to EBV had no improvement at all. The other had mild improvement. The the most marked improvement was seen in the patients who had um, T cell reactivity of, well the one with the most striking improvement where as I said walking distance improved and uh, from 100 yards to a mile had a 48% of the CDH transferred was specific for e, the targeted EBV proteins. So that, that's a summary of um, the work I'm presenting here. Mm. Great, thank you. And so what are the the next steps in this research? Well, we have to complete the current study. Patients 7 and 8 are currently getting their treatment, and we're hoping to treat the other two patients later this year. But certainly future studies are being planned um, to look... Uh, we, we, I believe this treatment will work in relapsing remitting MS and in clinically isolated syndrome, as well as in primary and secondary progressive MS. But, of course, all that has to be uh, studied in the future. And we're currently uh, planning future studies of this therapy um, to, see, to further confirm whether the treatment's safe um, whether we get further evidence of efficacy uh, and we, of course a major challenge is for the patients who haven't got any improvement It's very disappointing for those patients and also very disappointing for us, but there are potentially ways to overcome that so we can give the patients a better T-cell product that is targeting EBV. Those people who didn't improve, there are ways um, to uh, give them a better T-cell product which will target EBV more effectively. Great thank you and so perhaps more generally now how has the MS treatment field changed over um, perhaps the last couple of decades and where do you hope it will be in the next five to ten years well there's been obviously in the last 20 years there's been many treatments that um, have been shown to be beneficial in relapsing remitting multiple sclerosis but, but none of these treatments are targeting what I think is the cause of multiple sclerosis, namely Epstein-Barr virus, uncontrolled Epstein-Barr virus infection. And I believe, um, remains to be proven, of course, that, that treating, that specifically targeting Epstein-Barr virus I- is the way for the future, both for treating MS and ultimately for preventing it. Thank you for listening to this NC Talks podcast from NeuroCentral.